I listen to the Black Guy Who Tips podcast because Rod and Karen are hot. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Black Guy Who Tips podcast. I am your host, Rod. Joined as always by my co-host, Karen. And we're live on a Tuesday, a very special Tuesday. We have a very special guest in the house. We do. Uh, fresh off of a flood. It's my man, Mike Kaplan. What's going on? Hey, thank you so much. Happy to be here uh, and dry. Happy to be dry. <laughs> yeah. We love to see it. Concerned um, about my people up there. I was like, damn, everybody washing away. What's happening? Yeah, what was it? <laughs> so, um, uh, well, first of all, Mike, you have a book that is out um, that yes. we like to promote. Um, and it's, Can you describe the book to people and uh, tell everybody your name? Yes. So what a book is, it is, this one's called <laughs> Heart Brain Art Train. Uh, and I, I've been, it's been in the works for f- five years about, uh, Ramin Nazer is a, a comedian and artist friend who, if you're not following Ramin Nazer on Instagram and buying all of his books and just looking at, he makes these beautiful, like psychedelic rainbow philosophical art pieces. And has been doing that for years And so five years ago, I asked him, hey, do you want to collaborate on a book where I, you do the thing that you do, but instead of to your words, to my words, and uh, from my, my word lips to his God ears, he was (laughs) like, yes, I will, I will do that. And then five years passed and this year uh, he slash we did it. Uh, And so every page is like, you know, a cartoon where he has illustrate like the first look the some of them are just very silly some of them are like maybe more philosophical the first uh cartoon in the book is called uh it's a it's a picture of a lady holding a baby uh and it looks adorable and then the baby is saying new life who dis and so <laughs> that's for example like and this is just me saying it but then like look at his beautiful art look at the things that he's made it's at uh, oh yeah, that's a hundred percent it. You can that's, that's the very one. Oh yeah. So that's the title. The right there, the two down from the title on the left is the very one that I just said out loud to you. That's the one. <laughs> look at that look at that baby. I like that it's her winter. face I like that her face yeah. looks a little worried. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's a precocious baby. She's like, I didn't know this was going to happen right away. But yeah, that's 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 Ramin's web page. Uh, click on the bowling one if you want. Also, Boom. that's a fun one. Uh, so that's uh, uh, bowling alley should have a hologram of Indiana Jones tiny running in front of every ball. Uh, and then there's a picture. I was like, I think that's a fun joke. And then I was like, and then he just made one, one of my favorite things he did in the book is he took one of like the silliest things. I mean, there's so many of them are so silly, mm-hmm. but made this really profound thing out of it. I don't think it's one of these okay. uh, that on the page, but I'll tell you, mm-hmm. it's uh, the two kinds of whales, uh, two, at least two kinds of whales include uh, sperm whales and killer whales. So it's like uh, love and war. And then he took that idea, which I think is very foolish, mm-hmm. uh, and he made a picture that's like a yin-yang, where there's like one dark oh. killer whale <laughs> and one like pink sperm whale, <laughs> and they're like intertwined oh. in like a legit like yin-yang shape, and it's so, so anyway, 
that so there's like i think between 70 and 80 pages uh of of that art in there and uh and so i'm just i love getting to work with her i mean he did like the uh the cover for my album no kidding he also did my both of my podcast logos and uh i don't know if it's here but often my my headshot is my avatar and it's like half photo and half like rainbow Mm -hmm. psychedelic and so yeah he just He's amazing. I mean, check out his look, listen to all of the Black Eye Who Tips podcast first. <laughs> then listen to all of my podcasts. Then listen to Ramin Nazer's podcast, which is called The Rainbow Brain Skull Hour. He makes music, he makes visual art, he makes really funny comedy. Uh so I love that guy and I'm so excited that these physical books exist that you can get at my live shows and also at Raminnazer.com or at Mike Kaplan. Dot com. Uh, yeah, it looks the art style is so cool looking, and also it feels like a thing where you could even show it to your kids or read it to your kids, mm-hmm. and then as they grow older, they'll understand the references. You know, I feel like my dad did that with the Far Side. Like mm. the Far Side is probably the first thing that I've got like understood comedy from, um, and I used to go. It was bad. I was I was on I was on that. Uh, Far side crack bad man. I would go to like <laughs> uh, Goodwill and the thrift store and go straight to the book section and just see if they had any Far Side or Garfield. And it's like, and if they didn't, I would be so let down. But I, I was, I was all over it. It it's so funny because I mean, in the, throughout the through the test of time, I feel like has been kind to the Far Side and like Garfield is a different thing. Yeah. Like I also grew up loving Garfield yeah. and then only to find out in adulthood everyone's like but but it's not good, right? <laughs> it's uh it's it's right. it's bad, it's not funny or and I'm like but is that is that even what it's about? There's do you know the comedian Tony V? Mm-mm. Uh Tony V is one of the best comedians I've ever seen. He was he's been doing it since the 80s. He's in Boston. He was like one of the headliners in Boston who like he's just like so uh in the moment like there's so many wonderful boston comedians who like you could see their act in the 80s and you could see like you know the stephen wright kind of model of like a perfectly formulated joke a perfectly orchestrated symphony of comedy like every note in its place and like tony could tell the same joke different ways every time like more i feel like he was alternative comedy before there was a name for it but also he's just like you know He's a guy probably in his 60s now and has just he's just like he's he's just a guy. He's a guy who does comedy and is just so funny. And he had this one bit about Garfield. I don't even know if it's a bit or just a thing Mm. that he said literally once. But uh, it's because he's just so conversational and so like genuine. And I'll I'll, please check out Tony V in the Boston area. I don't know how far out of New England he gets. But if you can see him, here's his Garfield joke paraphrased butchering it uh he's like i wonder if uh gar the jim davis the guy who makes garfield i wonder if he's like he if he's really proud of himself like if he's like he really ha- he really thinks that he's like an amazing he's he's created this incredibly popular thing i wonder if he's sitting there thinking like every day you're met with three bank, three blank panels, and every day you give him gold. You know? <laughs> or, or I wonder if he's like, yeah, man, I'll keep cashing the checks. Sure, he eats lasagna again. I don't care. Right? Yeah, it's Monday. He always hates Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one writes itself. You know, uh, I love. But I, but, I, but yeah. that stuff taught me 
like in a weird way, it taught me like joke structure and comedy, uh, especially like those three panel ones because it's you know set up and then your punchline you know payoff, and it like uh, and and then Garfield was very much like joke structure, and then I feel like Farside was absurdist, abstract thinking and stuff and the art in this kind of reminds me of that um ah. as far as like the legacy of like that you know that gary larson legacy of like you can enjoy this on multiple levels there's a level where you're just a kid and you're like haha that's funny uh you know she's holding her baby and then later you know there's like man wait new life who this we actually don't know who the babies are going to be Mm-mm. when they're born <laughs> and what kind of person they're going to turn into and that's a, a, oh, yeah. a, a, th- a journey every mother has to go on and and that starts mm-hmm. there at that very moment and uh so there's levels to it and i, I like that that's that's very uh thoughtful i appreciate that analysis very kind of you i'm like hey man i'm just giving him a baby i don't even know Who cares, man? But, uh, like, maybe the baby likes lasagna i don't, I don't even care but, uh, it, it's cool yeah like i feel like the muppets are the same way for me like i i was real into the muppets when i was a kid and you know as a kid there's like a level where like their dancing sucks that's right. all i need you know right. or like in the far side the cow is standing up looking at his watch like that doesn't (laughs) like but yeah and calvin and Hobbes was another one i feel like that was like i mean that one i think i got from the get-go i don't remember how it was just like it's just pure and timeless and like it's hard for me to imagine like i like that I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, but I have an idea that I think about every once in a while for like a life syllabus. Like if I were to have kids or if I were to teach like a class, I'm like, here's if somebody's like, what do you what do you recommend like in life in art in life? Like this is my life art syllabus class. I'm like definitely the Muppets. I'm like Calvin and Hobbes. I'm like, those are those are the only two things that I'm like people of I feel like all ages all <laughs> actually don't even know if it's like across cultures like I, but right. I assume Calvin and Hobbes have been like translated into other languages yeah, and like have. it's so beautiful visually and like it's uh I I hope so if you're in if you speak other languages and come from other places mm-hmm. uh is Calvin and Hobbes I'm going to I'm going to ask the internet I'm asking the internet now I'm on the internet now but I want to <laughs> I want to find out more but thank you I I will say also uh, a good friend of mine bought the book and has like a six-year-old nephew and has been like sharing it with him and asked him like, what's one of your favorite ones? And he like points to it and he asks him to explain it. And he's like a smart six-year-old. And he, he does a, he does a good job. He has like at least one of the levels taken care of. And so I'd say that the only thing that some parents might not want to show their kids, they're definitely, there's a few jokes about psychedelics in there. But mm. other than that, I mean, they probably might not even know what those are. Uh, oh. Just, and, and also those are for adults. They're right. for adults. Like, look, kids know what alcohol is. Kids have heard of weed. It's becoming legal. It's more therapeutic than all these things. So who am I yelling at? Buy the book for your kids. <laughs> also, like, I feel like when we were growing up uh, with cartoons on TV and stuff, they constantly reference adult things that we would not get into later. Alcohol yes, was a constant. They drugs, like, sex. like they make maybe like an allegory, like oh, this week Tom gets into the catnip, and then it's like oh, the catnip is making I, I, him I, act I, like he's, he's very much on drugs, mm-hmm. and you know, pink elephants and hallucinogens and all this stuff. So I feel like kids get introduced to this stuff all the time, and I know those things are translated into other languages. So. I feel like there's an international reach, you know. I'm sure somewhere there's a Calvin E. Hobbes, you know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. yeah. I- 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, sometimes a thing that happens, somebody mentioned Mad Magazine in the chat, yes. and I feel like that's another great example of sometimes I would be reading, like, I loved it when I had seen the movie that they were parodying, yeah. but sometimes I hadn't. Right. And so I'm just like, I'm like learning about the movie from them making fun of it. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me, I don't know, maybe we've talked about this. Do you know Mike Lawrence, the comedian? Yes. Uh, Love him. Mike, Mike, he has, he has a joke about his experience. I think, I think it's him who like, He's like, I grew up, I saw Spaceballs before I saw Star Wars. So when I finally saw Star Wars, it was just like unfunny Spaceballs. They're they're 100%. Here's my, this is like, I feel like my experience that's kind of like that is I remember when I was a kid in like second grade, seven years old or something, somebody in class, like we're telling jokes and somebody says to me, do you want to hear a dirty joke? And I don't know what a dirty joke, I don't know what it means right. to be a dirty joke. Like I'm a, I'm a pure, li- I'm a good little boy. Like I truly didn't know. I remember right. being 10 and not knowing like what the word virgin meant and like right. asking another 10 year old, are you a virgin? And he was like, of course. And I'm like, well, this is good data for my uh, investigation. <laughs> and I remember, so at age seven, I don't know anything. We like, it was like the level where, if people said it, they were like, ah, that's uh, you did. Did you do your homework? I did it. You did it. Oh, my God. You did it. <laughs> and like people are doing that. And maybe some of them knew what sex was, but right. I didn't. I was just like, oh, right. it's fun to say it. I get it. It's something. <laughs> what is what, it? Whatever I don't know. it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, New it's it, like, who dis, you know? <laughs> what it? It's like uh, uh, Pee Wee Herman's uh, word of the day at that point. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and, and so there I was uh, at age seven and somebody said do you want to hear a dirty joke and i'm like yeah i like jokes and then they just said a pig fell in the mud and i was like okay and so if you are a grown-up who knows what it that's like that's a joke that's like kind of not for anyone right you know what i mean yeah. like because kid i as a kid i didn't have all the information that i needed right. and a, as an adult you'd be like that's stupid i think yeah, right yeah. Uh, do you think it's yeah, stupid you're adults yeah. you know pigs Love mud, like I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pigs, they get you. If you fall in the mud, you get dirty. So that's a joke about being dirty. But for me, then I was like, well, I guess that is what it means for a joke to be a dirty joke. Oh. It means that it's a joke about a a creature becoming dirty or being dirty. <laughs> it physically covered in dirt, and I like truly. <laughs> I think it. I don't know how long it was until I learned that that joke wasn't that I didn't understand it <laughs> and that it was stupid. But uh, I, maybe not, maybe not even yet to this day. I'm still working on it. It still kills. He tries to do it at shows. Like, um, so also we saw on TV, you know, that New York and mostly on social media, to be honest, mm-hmm. that New York had some huge, huge flooding uh, last week, kind of. Um, 
Well, well, so you and then we had you scheduled and you emailed to be like, hey, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. I hope I can make it. Let's play it by ear and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, man, what happened with Mike? It must be pretty, pretty bad. So and I know you already were talking about moving. Mm-hmm. Last time we talked to you, you did Edinburgh and and you were going to come back oh, to New York. Yeah. So like what, what what all happened? So great news is I uh, didn't drown or get electrocuted uh, so far. But yeah, so <laughs> we last talked uh, and the plan was so we, we had to move at like June 1st. So from June, July, August, and most of September, we had no residence. Rini and I, we traveled most of that time, uh, you know, for a part of, big part of it to the UK, around the States, stayed with my mom for a few days here and there, stayed with a few friends here and there. But then great news, great news, news uh, happened that Airbnb in New York City uh, made it so that you can't just Airbnb a whole apartment anymore. Uh, they, because of that, I feel like it's some people were just hogging the real estate, uh, and like you know, rich, richer people, landlords or whatever, they could get whole apartments and then just make tons of money, way more money, Airbnb, you know, Airbnb like 300 bucks a night, right? For 30, for 30 nights, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that could be not $9,000 on an apartment that would, you know, maybe cost $2,000 or something. Uh, and they were like, we don't want that. So they made that not a law anymore. And a friend of mine who was Airbnb, mm-hmm. uh, my friend, he's a nice man, not a, not a horrible landlord, just, right. uh, briefly, he was only renting as well. So he's renting this place for the past 10 years, mm-hmm. living in California now. And he was like, I got to stop. Airbnb. So I'm either going to get rid of the apartment or find somebody to sublet it. And I was like, it's almost exactly the perfect time for us to take over, you know, somebody's rent or lease or whatever we can. So September 22nd, a Friday, uh, a week or two ago, we moved in and then, uh, and we're like, great, we live here now. And it was, it wasn't, it's like a small studio, a basement studio. And we were like, we never planned to live there forever, but we did plan to live there for more than a week. But mm. then one week later, one week after we moved in, I got a driver's license that has the address of this place that I lived for one week. Wow. I got a library card. There's a comic book waiting for me at the Queens library oh, in no. Long Island city uh, that I'm still gonna, it's a cool library. Uh, so I'm still gonna, I'm gonna keep that library card. Knows where we're gonna end up but uh yeah it we woke up it started it rained a ton last week and more in september in new york than for a long long time i heard and uh we woke up so we got these dehumidifiers because the place is it's a basement it's right. a little dank and we got these humidifiers and we had two going and we woke up to the, in the morning to the sound of running water and we were like oh man we hope the dehumidifier is not overflowing oh that means it's working at least it's working and then rini got up first and stepped out of the bed and like it's one room and there was more than an inch of water on the floor and we were like oh no and she's great in a crisis i was just like oh no i'm just in the fetal position like new life (laughs) who dis you know and i'm a very precocious fetus but uh like she is her, her, here is just a brief play, uh, way that here's how she came into this world. Rini was an only child for most of her, for all of her childhood. And she would, and her mom was a single mother for most of 
her childhood and it was like them against the world and mm-hmm. like her mom like seems very comfortable uh, the way i'll put it is her mom's favorite tv show to watch for comfort is the handmaid's tale like that's her her jam <laughs> and so Rini like is not exactly like that but in a crisis she was like ooh okay this is kind of exciting i got to i got to i know what to, we have to get our stuff yeah, right. off the ground we have to not we have to make sure that no electrons we have to right. get things like moving out of here into right. our car into our storage unit which also we couldn't get into cuz of flooding wow um though our belongings in the storage unit were protected they except from a horrible smell from the carpet that we just mm-hmm. finally got in today. Anyway, uh, so we got out of the, we we're basically from 9 a.m. when we woke up until like I think 5:30 or 6 p.m. Like a full work day on Friday of like legit just lugging. Hope thankfully not even all of our belongings. Some of them are still in storage, mm-hmm. but just like a bunch, just like got all of our stuff out of this place and. Uh, and then we, right now, so I'm reporting to you live from, uh, our friend, uh, our friend Toby's home. And uh, she was like the, you know, a person who is like nearby and has a room that we, we've stayed in before. And like, it's not, you know, not a permanent situation, but she was like, come here. And so like the disparity between waking up, you know, in a place that was like a, a leaky submarine mm-hmm. uh, on Friday morning, and then kind of like the lap of luxury, oh, a warm bed uh, right. yeah. on Saturday morning. And then, so I didn't know the reason I didn't know the exact schedule was I'm like, well, we got to try to, we still had to get more things that we didn't get everything out of there. Right. We are, we were trying to help save our buddy's stuff that was some of it. He had a guitar there mm-hmm. and, uh, and a lot of books, some of which we sacrificed to Poseidon, you know. But uh, God of the sea and <laughs> then uh, Neptune in Roman and uh, ha- has a big fork. You know, the guy, yeah, big, big, uh, big giant fork. You're very hungry. You never see him eating. But uh, <laughs> so fr- between Saturday, Sunday, Monday and today, uh, we ultimately we got all our stuff out, I think, in the past couple days. And then today we went to go see an apartment to hopefully mm. uh, like. Today is the first day that uh, of the rest of our lives. Like we woke up <laughs> and we got we got out of here and we found a parking spot at this place that we I found. I think I got three. I hope I didn't waste all of my luck on parking spots today because I got like three good parking spots in New York City. Uh, but also we just went to see a place. Well, that could also it, be karma balancing out from the horrible luck of having the flood. So it's like. Oh, you know, let's give them three parking spots to make up for everything he's gone through. <laughs> right. And that's oh, a pretty big deal in New York. Yeah, that is a yeah, big uh, deal in New York. <laughs> absolutely. You know, though, I, I hope it's yeah, I hope you're right. I hope it's going to be like continually reverberating and like being a positive feedback amplification loop and not like, you know, in, I don't know, Street Fighter versus X-Men or something mm-hmm. where like you you store up, you know, enough energy for a big move. But then if you like whiff it, you're like, oh, you used it on a parking spot. Man, you should have saved that uh, for getting that apartment. Uh, but good news, the apartment comes with a massive fee. So maybe it's balancing yeah. out. Uh, sure but but yeah, so we we got it. We got it all done today. Like everything is, you know, for now. It's it's been a really good practice in like people are like when in just like the temporary nature of, you know, reality and uh, ev- like everything. Everything is temporary. Mm-hmm. Like even though we're like, where are you going to live forever? I mean, like definitely, you know, the way that, 
you know that glass is technically a liquid Mm -hmm. that like glass if you look at like the bottom of a window after the gravity it pools up down there because it's just a very glass is a very slow moving liquid or if it's hot then it's a faster moving liquid Mm -hmm. like if you watch glass blowing it's like dripping all over the place and like we're all we're all like that we're all you know deteriorating uh at some slow rate like you know look at a rock uh and look at it the next year or the next decade or a Mm -hmm. tree or whatever and uh apartments are like that too so i mean we do have a it's nice to have the illusion Mm -hmm. of uh of a permanent apartment yeah and we're getting also mentally that does kind of um that does kind of like square the box or whatever because it's like I have to get out of this temporary place into another temporary place that feels like a permanent place mentally (laughs) that is actually still really actually a temporary place. But, but it does make you feel better to be like, I expect to wake up tomorrow in this temporary place again. And that it it, kind of puts your mind kind of, uh, at ease. Also, I feel like as a couple, um, that's when you learn a lot about stuff is when, you know, things are happening. Not that it's, it's not that you don't learn anything when everything's going well, but like in a panic, in a pinch, in a crisis, it's just like a muscle. You never know if you're going to have to flex it. And yeah. sometimes you don't really know how people handle stuff until it's there. And then you're like, oh, boy, you have a very different style of, of conflict resolution or whatever. Um, and so it's good to know that, you know, Rini's a person that like jumps into action and also, you know, sperm world killer. Well, it kind of balances itself uh-huh. out because I know for us, I, two people can't freak out at the same time. No. So, so you kind of need, like, if I'm freaking out, if I'm paralyzed in fear, then I, then Karen needs to be the one like, all right, this is what the plan is mm-hmm. and vice versa. So I feel like you learn, you, you kind of learn stuff about each other that way. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know if we've ever talked about uh, my love for or our love for Paul Reiser, the comedian. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is one of my favorites. He was my literally, I believe in my memory, the first comedian whose special I ever saw when I was like 13. Mm. I think it came out in 1991 called like three and a half blocks from home, something like that. He like lived in New York and he filmed his special three and a half blocks from his home. And there are you just reminded me of two of his jokes and uh maybe I'll tell them but I want to give you just the the spirit here here's a thing that happened with me and Rini uh on that actually I don't remember which day it was maybe it was the next day when we were moving some of our stuff we were filling my car and uh so kind of like here at number 1 like she's great in a crisis and I have a car like she's like I know everything that we have to do and I'm like I can drive us you know what I mean like I'm I'm literally like the getaway driver and she is the master strategist of the entire <laughs> heist she's like here's what we're gonna do she's like I need a drive if she could drive she wouldn't need me but uh, so we're I mean look I'm gonna I'm gonna teach her but uh, I'm gonna learn some skills too but she operates very well in in space and I operate very well in time but here so here's the thing we had this uh, foam for our under our mattress or on, on top of our mattress, like a foam for our bed. It's like right. a really nice foam that we were getting. And it like, you know, curls up and gets squishy, yeah. but it looks big, like fits. So we tried to put it across the whole backseat of the car. And 
and it fit, but I couldn't see out, out the rear view. Right. So I was like, we, oh no, what are we going to do? And she's like, what if we just put it like, and she just points to a different configuration. She's like down at my feet in the passenger seat and it goes up and it'll just be over here. And I'm like, I can't, you ever see those illusions mm-hmm. where it's like, how much water fits in the big, the tall, big, tall, skinny glass? What about the short, fat? Well, and you're like, right. oh, they're they're the same, but they look so. It looks like one's bigger. Right. And she gets it in there, and I'm like, how did what? And I was just like, I don't know. And she's like, why don't instead of us saying I don't know, why don't we try the thing that? I, and I was like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, we can try it. But if it everything's perfect, right. you work like why? <laughs> why would I? Uh, why would I? And so. <laughs> What, you know, that's my question. And <laughs> okay, re- real. I'll tell you what. One of the Paul Reiser jokes is basically you did it. Is like you know he he does it goes on an extended bit about like one of them misunderstanding each other between him and his wife, mm-hmm. and like then one of them talks the other one down out of their tree, and he's like, that's all you need. You just need one of you to be, uh, you know, down out <laughs> right. of the tree so that you can talk them down from their tree. So that and you're doing that not of any like. Uh, you know, so it's the goodness of your heart, but more just so that, you know, you're going to be up in that tree and you need them down on the ground so that they can help you out of your tree when yes. you're up there again. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So true. Yes. It's not the same, but uh, one time when it behind the toilet, the uh, thing broke and we're like water started flooding in here. And, and it's hilarious because in my head, all I heard was the Benny Hinn music <laughs> because it was like we were both trying to figure out what was happening. Everybody was calm, but everybody was kind of doing their own thing. Like he was like, "How do I turn the water off?" And I was like, "How do I get the water off the floor?" You know, type of thing. So we're both kind of yeah. moving, kind of at the same time, really and we fast had to, pace. And we had to call the maintenance people to let them know it's like a water emergency because because if we can't turn it off like it's just gonna flood everything mm-hmm. and so i'm on the phone with the people or whatever no did did i tell you to call i can't one of us is on yeah. the phone mm-hmm. I, it must have been me yeah, i think it i was. was on the phone because karen was just like her brain was racing and she's like asking me questions to ask, to ask the people on the phone that I'm going to ask what I'm going to hold and all this type of stuff. <laughs> and uh, it was like, I think at some point I was like, all right, here's the thing. You panic about the floor. I'll panic about the water, you know, like, yes. like, like you panic in this room. I'm going to go panic by the water uh, thing to see if I can figure a way to turn it off. And together we ended up getting the water off the floor and mm-hmm. getting the water turned off. So it wouldn't just keep going. But yeah, I feel like you, that's what partnership is. And, and not that you ever wish trouble on, on any relationship, but Mm-mm. sometimes you're like, man, I get, you kind of need a little test, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that's the byproduct of it. That is good. A good thing is like, to get that little test to be like, all right, you know what? We will be all right if some if some real shit happened. Yeah. You know, we we adulted this weekend. That's an adult thing yeah. to have it to really, do. It really was because it was just like, what did it would not stop? I was like, well, okay. I'm saying even like Mike and the flood mm-hmm. and him and Rini, that's like a very adult thing. Like when you're a kid, that's the thing you call your parents about. But when, yes, you're, it is. when you're an adult, you're like, fuck, I'm the parents. Oh, God. I'm the adult. Oh. <laughs> yeah, man, I have five things I want to say. Uh, one is about Stephen Sondheim. One is about uh, Rini's friend that we're staying with. One, I'll start with those. Uh, but... Oh, one is about you and your relationship. Uh, one is about uh, Nas, Nas and most deaf. Um, okay. So Stephen Sondheim in Into the Woods has a, a line where basically there's a giant on the loose 
and somebody's like, should we tell someone? And the other person's like, who who could we tell? Like, there's no authority. That's like light. That's such an encapsulated, like, who's the grown up? You know what I mean? Like, oh, oh, no, no one. Um, to, uh, like, I, it's so nice. Like, the, I mean, this crisis, that it was such a cool, I mean, now it's great that it's, we're past that part of it. Right. And we're into, I'm, it's, our memories are so short. Things are so temporary that, like, on Friday, it was, like, exhausting and, like, ridiculous. And we're like, oh, my God, what is go? We don't even know. All we can do is what we're doing right here. Escape this flood. Save our thing. Whatever we can. Oh, my God. And now I'm like, I need a good parking spot, you know, like, where. <laughs> I, but, I mean, it's not to say that it's, a like, right. needing a place to live, like, a, a rent. It, it's finding a place to rent is important. Right. But. But like it was like not it's we're not in an in an emergency anymore like we're we're we live somewhere we're going to live somewhere like while we're alive you know we're grateful to be alive uh, and so the thing for you guys oh so we we get over here and I think I was on the phone with Rini while she was with her friend and I we got off the phone and Rini told me her friend was like it's hard you guys are so nice to each other even like during this like she's like I don't know if I would be able to be like i'd be losing it you know uh and we're like oh man it's so uh, so grateful like i mean i'm i'm so lucky uh man i can't imagine if i were my partner if it were me and me i'd be like, oh god oh, i'd be like <laughs> both of us being like oh i'm just gonna lay down on the floor in the water i don't know i'm not gonna try to i'm gonna try to float out of here i'm gonna i'm gonna make jesus walked on water can i do what that guy did anyway uh the beautiful thing about your relationship is that moments ago, I mean, you're obviously you, you fit so well together. You've been together so long, you work together, you have fun to get like, it's uh, everybody knows that, but in this very, everybody knows it. But in this moment <laughs> right here, like, mo like, I don't know how, how long am I talking now? Several hours or just several hours <laughs> ago, uh, at five thirty-two, uh, you were saying, uh, so I would, you were on the phone with him or I was on the, you forgot which one of you, <laughs> your memory was about. You're like, like people Somebody talk about phone. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are, you're like, yeah, it was one, like, it doesn't, we're, it's us. You know what I mean? <laughs> we were on the phone. That's such a, a beautiful thing. And then the other, other thing. I've been checking my email once in a while just to see if we've gotten the apartment that I applied for earlier today. And I sent uh, a guy uh, on this day uh, in 2010, a friend of mine messaged me and I just sent him a message about it. Uh, and so I got an email from him. I told him that on this day in 2010, he wrote to me on Facebook and said, you are between most deaf and Nas on my iPod. You've made it. <laughs> and that was the year my first album came out. So I sent that to him and he wrote back, ha, now you're between most deaf and NWA. So uh, still <laughs> moving up the list. Okay. That's still working out. You think of Mike Kaplan. Okay. That's what I <laughs> yeah. think of. First. Um, it's, but now nah, that that's, um, cool that you were able to do it how how high did the water get in that apartment and what happens after because you know I, I don't know the, the way it works but for your friend whose apartment that is like what what happens after that do you have to sell it is it right. got to get redone Insurance. somehow yeah so great great question and generally great news for both of us because he doesn't own the apartment he's renting it okay. he was subletting it as to us he i think the thing that 
we so he when I moved in, he was just like, I need to give them 30 days notice if I, I'm going to not have it anymore. So if you would give me 30 days notice, if you want to leave. And so I, we agreed to that. But due to this extenuating circumstance and uh, the the fact that the humidity was like overpowering for yeah. us, like I felt we both felt like it was adding to our like congestion. I don't know if there was right. like mildew or mold that we were trying to right, you get out of. Like it. we were willing to put in the work, but kind of like, you know how they say like a, a healthy relationship takes work, right. but the work of a healthy relationship isn't uh, you have to deal with abuse and right. like, you know, and so I'm not saying that this was an abusive apartment, mm. but the work of making an apartment nice and livable, like isn't, you know, day in, day out, like from morning to night, trying to get humidity down to a <laughs> right. livable right. level. And like, that's not my friend's fault. Like, right. you know, mm. the, it's been a wet, wet month and summer and, and who knows, like he hasn't been to the apartment in some years as right. well, but so we, and they did send cleaners. Like it, the way that the water was getting in was like under the door. Like wow. we, it was a basement. So it was like, it was a sort of door to the outside. Mm -hmm. And then there's like steps going up, which meant that for it to get me like inches, just streaming it. I have like a short, yeah. Rini took a short video. I can send you guys, mm. uh, of it just like pouring in to make an inch on the floor. Like it must've been that the, the grates, like the sewer grates backed yeah. up so much because like the, you know, the subways were put out of commission. Right. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so we we were like, we want to leave as soon as possible. Yeah. And like, look, we lived here for a week. We made a deal with you. Like we haven't fully, he's, you know, negotiating with the people who own it to figure out what his, you know, responsibility is or what the deal is. And like, we'll, you know, we don't, we don't want to leave him high and dry. Hey, everyone. Um, <laughs> but I like, I, you know, high and dry kind of gets a bad rap. Uh, really after does. this past yeah. weekend, I'm like, I wouldn't mean by might be left eye and dry um but uh so yeah we are he he gets out of his lease or, or maybe it's not even a lease anymore uh we move on and uh we deliver his guitar to him sometime mm. in the future but uh yeah so i don't know what the, they sent in cleaning crew like right away like you know it stopped okay. pouring through they like vacuumed out the water they definitely like the floor it's happened like twice before in the past 10 years like when there was a hurricane i think mm -hmm. so uh, like one time when my friend was living there, so he, he knows how it sucks. Right. Uh, that's good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they probably got to put in new floor. Uh, also just in the closet, there's like, you could open up, uh, it's not supposed to be able to be open, but there's like a ledge that you could like pull open and it's just like the sewer in oh, it. Oh, wow. Uh, so yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't our favorite part of, uh, <laughs> Only in York. You gotta love it. <laughs> no city that never sleeps. And nowhere <laughs> else. The city that has apartments with sewers in the closet. Yeah. That, oh, uh, you got that's why it never sleeps, because you're like, um, uh, can we get some... Is there going to be an alligator? Yeah. You can't sleep in the humidity, but that's, you know, you take a bite out of Big Apple, the city of dreams, and, you know, where else can you, you do, do stand-up, you know, that as often as you do, you know, take the good with the bad. Um, and also, like, New York was, I remember being in an apartment that had, because nothing up there, not nothing, but nowhere I stayed had AC, like central mm -hmm. AC, yep. like we have here in North Carolina. Old buildings. And there was one that had a radiator in it 
that just hissed in the middle of the night. And I'm a, I I need cold to, I like cold. I don't mind it being cold. That was like the least problem of New York. Everybody's like, you go, you go up there, you're going to be cold. I was like, finally, some fucking cold. Let's go. <laughs> but, um, I would, I would tell, like I was tweeting about it on Twitter. Like, Hey, um, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like it's hot in here. It's like, you know, 50 degrees outside, but I am sweating sitting on the couch. And they're like, oh, yeah, you just open up the windows. And I was like doing deep dive Googles and, and Wikipedia stuff. And you find out that like back in the day, they like because of disease and stuff, they made it so that they expected you to build your apartment or wherever you lived and just have the windows open. Like that was just a thing. You just always have them open. You're not, you know, you're not, it's going to get too hot, but it's like cheaper to heat the whole building that way. But then you open up a window and even though it's three degrees outside, that fucking window somehow will balance out the 90 degrees coming out the radiator. And they're correct, but also New York, that's the city of dreams. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I, li- yeah, back, I mean, back in uh, cave person times, back in the time of Adam and Eve, they they just used a, an air conditioner like, uh, like God intended. <laughs> of course. Um, but uh, what was – oh, yeah, when I lived in Boston, I lived in a basement uh, in a brownstone. And if I remember correctly, uh, like the the house was on like one heating, you know, mm-hmm. uh, measure. So it was either going to be livable in the basement and boiling hot on the top floor or livable in the top floor and legit <laughs> – I had like shampoo and conditioner freeze. <laughs> oh no! How sweet! Oh, yes. I'm sorry. You know man. how glass can be a liquid, but you didn't know how shampoo can be a solid. No, I did not. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's like a bar the, of soap, so you just the, you know you can still use it, but uh, was the shampoo head and colders? Okay, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, that that but I mean that's New York, you know. It's, I, I feel like everyone is a little bit like got to be on, head on the swivel, be ready to be on the move. You were just in Edinburgh though. Um, how long were you there, and how was that experience this year? Thank you. It was uh, I'll just to spoil uh, the ending. It was great, uh, <laughs> and, and that's it. Long story short, uh, so we were there. Uh, we went to. England first and uh, did a lot of shows. We I drove for the first time on the left side of the road. I won't say the wrong side, but right. I will say it'd be better if they did it on the right side. <laughs> and, I know that was adjustment, an adjustment since we drive on the it opposite really, side. It, it really was. I did it. I went real slow and was happy when I was on like a divided highway, you know, for a long time to be like, we're all over here. We're all yeah. doing this. Just think left, left, left. Only like once or twice did I like make a turn and then be like, oh, I got to get, I got to do the other one. Uh, <laughs> that didn't go the right way. We got to get, but, yep, yep. Sorry, guys. Oh, over here. Yeah, that, that's right. Yep. Everything's fine. No, don't, don't worry about it. Um, cheerio. Okay. Um, <laughs> did you use, did you hit. use a navigation like app, like the, that tells you like left, make a left on this street or, you know, uh, yeah, I was, I was using like my Google maps okay. on my phone and there, the, it would like, you know, I look at it and also like I would, it would sometimes be like, yeah, they had a lot of roundabouts there. Like, I don't know if that's, or like sometimes people are like traffic circles or yeah. rotaries or what have you. We got em. And like so many, like way, way more than overpasses. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, 
oh, for overpasses, uh, like we, it's way like there's so many roundabouts. But yeah, and so it's nice to just like be like, okay, you go this way, Fo- follow follow the path that it's it's on your little screen, and that'll that'll be helpful. But yeah, it was. Rini was a good guide to be like, you're very close over here. And I'm like, oh, but I thought, yeah, I'm just, I don't want to. Yep, you're right. Absolutely. It's not. Yep. Why, why did I? Why would I? Um, <laughs> so, so we drove, I did a bunch of, a, a couple different like festivals while I was there, probably like maybe seven shows in England in like the week and a half before. Wait, do you have to uh, get a license to drive there or like, how's that work? Uh, you can, I, I think if you, you need a special, like, international license if you come from a place that doesn't use the same alphabet. Ah. So if you use the same, if you can read the same letters on a street sign, mm-hmm. then I did not need to get, like, a, a, okay. an American okay. driver's license uh, was acceptable. Okay, that makes like, sense. to rent okay. a car and, yeah. Yeah, so you can read the um, stop and the yield and all that stuff versus somebody who goes, wait a minute, what well, also, say? Uh, the other thing yeah. I wanted to note before you go on is that roundabout can be a pathway or a destination or a location. Mm. You no? Know? Like, oh, yeah, it's roundabout that tree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's roundabout to X. You know where that Exxon is? <laughs> anyway, you can continue the story. I just couldn't help it. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy your dialect. Uh, also, real quick, uh, a thing from uh, Twitter news yesterday. Briefly, do you follow a guy named Vinny Thomas? Yeah, I love Vinny. He's so funny. Yeah. Did you see Vinny's tweet about Jimmy Carter the other day? Oh no! What did he say? Uh, there was like a picture. It was ninety ninth birthday of Jimmy Carter, and there was a photo. Somebody was like, happy 99th birthday, Jimmy Carter, in like young, like in, I don't know, like a Marine uniform, like in a military uniform. And if you look at this, that was by Vote Vets on October 1st. Okay. And Vinny quote tweeted it and said, Scarlett Johansson looking ass. And he does <laughs> oh, look no! like Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> and the reason I saw it is that later Vinny uh, did a joke apology. Oh, Maybe yes. a sincere apology. For... Everybody misunderstanding the vernacular, thinking that he was calling the beloved president an ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that, guy, that Scarlett Johansson looking ass guy uh, roundabout over there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I saw I saw the apology because he, he, he does these like fake funny apologies all the time. But uh, it's the, it it was it's time to heal. Was this yes, cast? yes. That is time and to then, heal. And then of course a screenshot notes app apology. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love Vinny. He, he's so funny. Uh, anyway, so roundabout. Uh, we, we were roundabout here in our yeah. story. Uh, I did a <laughs> it bunch of shows. It can also be a time. It can also be a time. Oh my god. <laughs> Roundabouts oh, yeah, can there's... do it all. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a lot of prepositions that work for time and space because time space is i mean the language knows like here's classic joke that takes advantage of this uh somebody farts in a bar and somebody's like how dare you fart before my wife he says i'm sorry i didn't know she needed to (laughs) so that joke is based on the fact that before could mean in front of or in front of in space or in front of in time um that's a smart that's a smart joke um 
<laughs> so so we loved England. We stayed with uh, we stayed at a couple like inns. We stayed with uh, one guy who was producing one of my comedy shows. Oxford, a really cool town. Uh, we went to a bunch of. Do you know? Have you heard of charity shops? It's mm-hmm. kind of what they call thrift shops in the oh. UK. But every one of them, there's like so many all over the place. And some of them are like on the same block. There could be like five. And they all donate money. They all are like, I think, nonprofits for or raising money for different causes. So they'll be like Cancer UK or like Save the Children or Oxfam. And just like you can be like whichever one you want to give your money to. And they just got like good, especially if you're in like a high end, like a luxury area, like they get rid of good stuff. Like I got, I got a new wardrobe. I got like pants that fit me and look great for like five pounds, which is like seven bucks, six bucks. Mm. And anyway, I'm not, but you're not asking about what kind of pants I got. I like a good sale, so I'm fine with that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So, so yeah, so we loved, we, and there was also the whole United Kingdom is really good with marking allergens in food so like everywhere doesn't have vegan stuff or gluten-free stuff like Rini's allergic to gluten we're both vegan but like every menu they mark off things they're like this has gluten this has soy this has celery this is uh like this has mustard in it in case that's one of our top 14 allergens here must there's like 14 allergens i think the whole uk and maybe europe is just like real good at like so we were able to eat uh, and be like confident in right. that we wouldn't get ill, Correct. like, and that we could, we were taken care of. Uh, the comedy shows were fun. What if I was like comedy? Who, uh, eh, eh, eh. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, oh, I bombed for a month. It was terrible. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that so then we were in Edinburgh from like the very end of July. I think we got there on the 31st and left on August 29th. So almost a full month in Edinburgh. Did my most the the show that Rini and I created together. Uh, which has been up until now called Imperfect, but we think that that name is not quite as perfect as it can be. Mm. We are going to move forward and hopefully be recording it this coming year and call it uh, Before We Get Started. And so before we got started on Before We Get Started, we called it Imperfect. (laughs) But now Before We Get Started uh, is what we'll do once we get started. And so we did that show uh, pretty much every night of the festival with one one night off in the middle. So like 25, 26 performances. And I did probably, uh, I I probably performed like a few other sets a week, sometimes a few a day, sometimes like there were literally shows starting at maybe 10 or 11 in the morning and going, you know, every hour, hour and a half in almost every venue through to like some of them midnight one two three four in the morning like set like thousands of shows every day and at least somewhere between two and three thousand i think officially how 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 big is like the is it like the whole city's having a comedy festival or is it like oh in these five blocks or like how much traveling are you doing even to, to go to all the shows and stuff yeah, uh, I would say definitely way bigger, closer to the whole city than just five blocks. Okay. Like, I mean, there there might be like neighborhoods, like it's like the the central area of the city, but the central area of the city, like there were definitely like shows at a, a comedy club called The Stand mm-hmm. over there that was like a mile from like the 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 more okay. central hub. But okay. there's like it's definitely spread out. Like, but you could. You could, if nobody was there, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't the case, but if nobody was there, you could, like, walk, like, the outskirts of it in probably, like, certainly, like, 
an hour, you right. know, like it's like okay. within a couple miles. But that's radius, still pretty I would big. Say. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah. Very condensed. Like yeah. I, I had never asked that question before, and I've no comedians have gone over there, but I, it just never crossed my mind until now. But um, yeah, it, it, like in my mind, it was always like a few city blocks or something, like a a convention of comedy. And now I'm like, oh no, 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 that's that's big as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Literally more than 2,000 shows. So, you know, picture 2,000. I mean, I guess that's not 2,000 venues, but that could be. It's probably like, yeah, Yeah. uh, hundreds and hundreds of venues for Mm -hmm. sure. Like everything becomes a venue. They turn the whole college. There's like a university of edinburgh probably Mm -hmm. i don't know my my venue was in it in like an old in a biology classroom but it was like built like you know stadium seating kind of like or like you know like i was on the stage but then they went like up to the back and it's like a hundred seats and uh yeah like every room that could be uh have a performance had a performance and just like from do you think that's something we'd ever see here in the united states like a something that big and dedicated to comedy for that long it's it's hard and it isn't it's also not just comedy it's oh, like okay. it's the theater as well oh. magic uh improv. like any it, oh improv absolutely okay. and like we saw two really beautiful plays okay. one completely serious one serious and really funny um they have like clown clowning is like the art form that exists there in mass like it's huge and here it's almost like it's hardly a thing that people right. know. Like you picture a clown, you're like Hong Kong kid's birthday, right. right? Like, but but the kind of clown I'd say the person who represents the kind of clowning that is done there the most famously here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, the this person who I'm about to name studied with this clown Philip Gallier, I believe. Mm-hmm who taught some of like the the clowns over there as well and it's uh Sasha Baron Cohen I would say Sasha Baron Cohen is the kind of the kind of like the thing that he does is Ali G the thing that he does is Borat like that is clowning that is a performance oh. art that that is cl- like there else I could send you guys I have a friend named Grayson Morris who is like works as a clown like does creates as a clown in the states and she sent me like uh I think one of her teachers like rules for clowning and like some of them are good for stand up as well. Right. But like some of them are like, like take bold risks. Like if you're not failing, you're not taking enough risks. Mm. And when you fail, apologize sincerely because you're there to serve the audience. Mm. And like, it's this really, so we saw, I saw 60 shows when I was there mm-hmm. out of the several thousand and several, at least three of them that I saw were specifically clowns. One of them I can I can show like I can send you a link because have you guys do you guys know a guy named Vigo Ven? No. Mm-mm. Vigo Ven is I believe Norwegian, mm-hmm. and he won Britain's Got Talent this year. Mm-hmm. And there is a 15 minute video that is a compilation of all of his of his performances on Britain's Got Talent from his initial audition to his winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert! And it's pure joy it is delight i'll send you a link you can just you know google it look it up on youtube but it's 15 minutes it's like three different Ooh, i was trying to three... i was trying to find it uh and then it just started auto playing before I could... <laughs> yeah don't do don't watch it right now okay. listen to me uh i mean <laughs> it's so 
he I saw him do I saw him do a version of it live. I saw yeah. him do an hour live. And then I shared Rini wasn't there, but I shared with her this 15 minute clip that we just we've shared it with when we go visit people. We're like, let's watch it. It's just you can watch it over. I mean, you, you don't have to watch it at all, but you can watch it once. And then I feel like you'll fall in love. It's just so funny, especially how much Simon Cowell does not like it to begin with. <laughs> and. By the end, there is like a redemptive arc for yeah. Simon Cowell in this clown's work. I'll tell you one other clown. There's a, a New York Times article written about this woman, Julia Masley. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. She's partners with Vigo Venn. She is, I think, Estonian. And she, her show, I'll, t- just, I'll tell you a couple things from her show. Because mm-hmm. I assume, I'm, I can only imagine it's different every night. Mm-hmm. But she comes out dressed in a kind of, there's kind of a creepy vibe. Like she kind of like has walks the line between like you know joy and like horror at times like if somebody does something or says something that she disagrees with or she'll be like no you know but if somebody does something like she's like yay and they like play somebody in the back is playing music that like exemplifies like the joy or the horror and so she comes out and she has a microphone that's attached to a mannequin's leg not important but uh, there there are reasons. But so she holds that microphone to an audience member and she says to them, problem? Mm-hmm. And then it is the audience member's uh, r- role to respond with a problem that they have. And like her show was at like 1.30 in the morning. So frequently at the show that I was at, somebody was like, I'm tired. And she's like, oh, come here. She goes to a door on the stage, pulls out a blanket and a pillow. She's like, lie down on the stage. Sleep as much as you want. Come anytime. And... Somebody else, she's like, problem? And they're like, I don't have any money. I don't have enough money. And she's like, oh. And she gestures to the audience. She's like, ask them for money. And then and she's like, can I have some money? And people start giving her change. And she's like, and the, the clown is like, and what is your banking information? Like over there, they don't have Venmo. But like the equivalent, which is like, what is your Venmo? I will tweet your Venmo. If everyone Venmos you one pound, then you will have 100 pounds. That'll be good. That's good. And then here's two more. One, a, a guy was like, I, my problem is I have a crush on a girl. I don't know if she likes me. And she's like, is she here? He's like, no. He's like, does anyone here look like her? And he's like, she kind of does. And she's like, here, talk to her. What would you say if you were not scared? And then they have like a meaningful, poignant conversation in the moment. And like he gets her phone number. And then the last (laughs) one I'll tell you, uh, a woman, she's like, problem? And she's like, my dog is 14 years old. And I just, I think he's, I'm sad that he's going to die soon. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Does anyone here look like your dog? (laughs) And, And she's like, that guy kind of does. <laughs> and she's like, what would you say to your dog if he were here? And then she like earnestly like that's the thing about clowning is like mm. it's the perfect like combination of like the absurd with like this really sincere like honesty. Mm. And it's like it's so it was beautiful. Yeah. It's like ev- everyone should like it's just like not even I don't know where people can go to see it other than, you know, like they get, you know, they might get jobs as actors. They might get, you know, but in Europe, it seems like it's Mm. more. And in the UK, it's more, it's more prevalent. Yeah. In America, I think the only clown shows we have are the Republican national debate. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's a different type yeah. of clowning. Different type of clowning I, going on but, here. But it, it is a clowning. I, I know this might sound silly, but do they get like degrees and things in this? Cause clowning? It, yes, because it does sound like something that if you have people that teach it some, with such deep roots, like it's a clown school or clowning yeah. school. So there's this guy, Philip Gaulier. Uh, is the the teacher for a lot of these clowns, like including Sasha Baron Cohen, and I th- or maybe f- yeah, I think that's right, Philip. Yeah, he's a French clown and pedagogue. He looks fun, and there's like a couple articles about him. Oh, the New York Times wrote an article about him last year called "The Dumbledore of Clowning," and the Guardian wrote a piece called "Inside Philip Gaulier's Clown School," and uh, he he's like very. But it, like in a funny way, like dismissive of stand up, even though some of the people coming to him maybe are stand ups to begin with. But it's just like it's slightly different. It's slightly more. Anyways, that was just like some of the most resonant, memorable experiences I had were seeing those shows. There's another guy named Josh Glantz, I think, G-L-A-N-C. But uh, but doing my show also doing our show was great and uh, also a good learning experience that some cultural differences, like there's one piece in the show where I like say that I'm bad at accents and do uh, an Australian accent so badly that it comes out not as an Australian accent, mm-hmm. at, but as a completely different accent. And in America, it's very clear that that's what I'm doing. Right. But there, an Australian man came up to me once after, I'll, look, for you, don't, this is part of the show. Uh, I'll give you a brief snippet. Uh, Please laugh at the show when you see the show in full (laughs) when it exists. But I'm like, so I'm not very good with us with the with accents. So the here's what this Australian woman said. She's like, uh, "Hey, I'm Australian over here. Forget <laughs> about it. You know, you talking to me? I'm talking Australian, okay? I'm mama mia. Now that's a spicy Australian, okay? So that they <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> they don't like the the New York Italian accent. Once Yikes. we figured it out, Rini really cracked the code of what was happening, and she's like. If we, I so I just ended up starting with Mamma Mia because they're like we understand Italian Italians, right. but New York Italian was not we think far enough from my own accent for them to. It seemed like it was oh. me really earnestly failing to right. do an Australian like hey good day mate. I can't even. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. Right. But but truly, after I was like, hey, yo, oh, hey, you know, not for nothing, but I'm Australian over here. And this Australian man came up to me after a show and is like, mate, that was not a good Australian accent. And I'm like, oh, no, no. That's funny. I that earnestly apologize. That's, yeah, that's funny because, yeah, they, their head, they got to process two. They're already processing one accent. So right. then when you're going into another thing, is it's almost like if it doesn't zag in exactly what, like, you can only, the only way you can impress them is to actually do an accent that is extremely spot on at that point. Yes. Yes. I <laughs> absolutely would have needed to do that, but yeah. can't do that. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, like, oh, I'm that's like, hilarious. <laughs> so, so other than that, that, that was like a really interesting learning experience that hopefully when I record the hour, uh, won't specifically uh, be a problem because I'm planning to do it right. in the States. But, uh, but other than that, like the, the show, I had one, one big, sh- the, the biggest cathartic 
artistic experience, putting the art in cathart. Mm-hmm. Ick. Uh, ick. Um, was... I'll, yeah, I'll groan at my own joke in the very telling of the joke itself. That's how high level I am. All right. Um, so there was one one of my – sometimes the audiences were small. Sometimes they were big. Like they were always like at least around 30 people in a place that sat 100. Like on a Monday or Tuesday, it wasn't always full. On the weekends, it was usually uh, like majority full. Mm-hmm. But on the Maybe the most – I think the night that I, we officially had the most people there – it started great. It was a Saturday night. It was like the third week of the fest. There's often like a dip. You know, you're doing the show every night for weeks and weeks. Right. And I, it started great. And I was like, oh, this is good. I didn't know that the, the show, the place was completely packed. The lights were in my face. I just, you knew it was a good Saturday night crowd. They were digging it. Then somebody coughed a lot. And I started, oh, I like, no. talked to him a little bit. And I was like, and it sort of, I got like out of the groove and lost a little momentum. Mm. And then I felt like they lost momentum. And then it was me. I was, it's my responsibility. Right. But I felt like in that moment, I was like, oh no, it happened or them or what it was like new crowd, who dis, you know? <laughs> and, and so I, after that show, like Rini and I talked and she was like, yeah, like, I mean, because also there were still people after that show, even though they were quieter for a lot right. of it, there were still people that was like, it was beautiful. It was meaningful. Mm-hmm. It was moving. It was funny. Like, because a lot of the audiences there, a lot of people there aren't there for comedy because it's not just a comedy festival. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they are there for theater and they're just, they call it taking a punt. They're like, I'll just try, I'll try a show, right, you know, yeah. like ah. it's happening now. I've I got another show in an hour. This one's the perfect time and place. Right, right. I'll go see it. So you get a lot of people seeing you who have you've never who've never heard of you that don't know anything about you or the show. And so we like really adapted things eventually to be like, okay, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be weird, but it's on purpose. You know, I'm me and you're on you're taking care of it's going to be I would like start the show kind of like that. Mm. Like if you don't know what I am, then, you know, you might need a moment of adjustment. It's not just my accent, you guys. And so. Yeah, I don't know if you... Okay, so after that show, it was like, truly, if nothing else, I really learned, like, the very first time I ever, uh, I understood what acting was, like, you know, I acted in, like, school plays or whatever, I've gone on auditions as a comedian, you get sent out, but, like, I just do it as me, you know, I'm just like, I just read the lines, I'm like, I don't... I'm not, I'm not Christian Bale, you know, right. I'm not Gary Oldman. I'm not like disappearing into a role. I'm like, hopefully you want a guy that's like me in Boston <laughs> once like this tall, athletic, you know, funny, like goofy, like physical dude. And I went out for the same role in a commercial as accountant and he got it. I'm like, what the, <laughs> what's going on, man? You know, like, and so, you know, Lewis Black once famously wrote a pilot and didn't get cast as himself in it, right. but uh so that's me Ooh, that's my that's my list but black impression pretty angry um so ooh, uh so when i i i went out for like a a sitcom pilot and i like i really lo- thought it was funny and so i like hired an acting coach mm. and like i've talked to other people since who are like friends who take acting lessons and act seriously uh and I'm like, oh, like literally, like I have to sit down with this thing and like every line of it, every word I say, I have to have an intention for, I have to have an understanding of, I have to like every moment. And it's like, I'm kind of spoiled because I don't, 
feel like I, I don't actively do that with my comedy. Like right. for some of my comedy, like, it's just like, Oh, I thought this thing. So I'm saying this thing. Like, I don't have to think about what my intention is. Like I, I am my intention. Mm-hmm. Like, but the interesting thing, so that zoom back to Edinburgh, I'm like when I'm doing a show, I was thinking of it before this one night, before this cathart moment. Uh, sorry, sorry. Who catharted? Um, <laughs> somebody. Not my bad. Um, my good. Well, I think in that case, whoever Nest. whoever yeah. felt it dealt it. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, so whoever heltered skeltered, you know, <laughs> and. Like, sometimes you don't need content if you just have form. Isn't the shape of things enough? Um, <laughs> I think whoever so could, whoever be- could thought it, whoever felt it, expelled ha! it. There you go. They, Ooh, now, yeah, now they're all- yeah, there's a lot going on here, and <laughs> I am here for it all. So, and now here is what, I, what you're here for, the, the very point I'm trying to make. Before that night, I really thought of the show as, in some ways, done. I'm like, you know, there's tweaks here and there. Like, I'm in the moment. I'm like, if something new happens. But I'm like, look, the show is the show, like a TV show, a movie. Like, it's like, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But when it's a live show, I like, I'm a part of that. I can, there's people who might have you know, a good time if I really sell it and not as good a time if I don't really sell it. But I was, I wasn't thinking of this actively or explicitly, but I was, I realized afterwards, I'm like, oh, I, even if the audience isn't loud, you know, isn't good, isn't my favorite, like, it's still my obligation and to my benefit to do it, to perform it, to like make it the best, like, it's not just eh, that it, they didn't like it. Right. It's like, well, I, I didn't do it. Right, and, right. you know, I think that's a good lesson to really uh, learn 21 years into doing comedy. Yeah, that uh, that the lesson is uh, sometimes it can be good to try. Yes. And yes, you are part of the uh, you're part <laughs> of the equation. Yes. And it, and it makes yeah. a, a big difference. And, you know, even me and Roger talked about that when we do our live shows, we like when we put it out there. If people come, if it's 500 people, a thousand people or five people, we're going to put on a show like always like it's a packed house just for the simple fact that you want the people that came to know that you actually care about the craft or whatever you're presenting to them. Also though, you like, you can learn a lot from that because you can learn like that yourself as an instrument, you don't have to do things the same way all the time. And I think especially Mm -hmm. if you were going to do something like a festival where you're essentially trying to do the same show over and over and over again, so you can learn from the show and how to do, but that I think that's that awakening or that, that other level of something where you're like, wait, if I play the note this way, it gets this response. And then you start playing with it more. It becomes, to me, doing it over and over again, in a lot of people's brains, I think they would think perfection is doing the same thing every time the same way. That's that's the true professional, right? The the person that, that you know, they the note is always the same length. It's always the same, da-da-da. But I, you know, when we saw Beyonce this year, you could see she was like, "Oh, I'm changing something tonight, mm-hmm. just just to show y'all I can," you know. And people share different clips on different stops, and they have completely different experiences when it comes to like, "Oh, she sang it this way. I went to two different other shows, and she did it differently." 
And uh, I think, yeah, that like, I you know, especially with Mike being like 50% robot, I can see that being an epiphany at, at yes. this age. Yeah, I guess I think we all the, the point that we've all gleaned from that is, yes, I am like Beyonce. Yeah. And <laughs> the Beyonce of comedy is what I when you say Mike Kaplan. Yes. He's between yeah. Beyonce and most Def <laughs> on my yeah. on the list. list. I, I love it. Like, true, truly, like everything that you said, absolutely. And also, like, I, for the final week, so that was like, I had one week left after that cathartic mm-hmm. experience. And I did every single show. I like sold the goddamn fuck out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I, I loved it. I, and because I was like, oh, like, I, there's a thing that George Carlin said once. It's, I, I believe I remember hearing it quoted. He said like to, he says to the audience, you're here for me. I'm here for me. No one's here for you. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's hilarious. And it's great. And right. it's, it's funny as a joke. And it's also not my experience right. fully, but like I am here for me and I'm here for you, right. but I have to, in order to be here for you, no. I have to be here for me. For me. I have yeah. to do it as me for me, my right. version of FUBU. I have to uh, <laughs> AMFM, uh, AMFM, yeah. And, <laughs> and it was, I had so much fun doing the show. Like I, you know, Rini and I were just in the Strand uh, bookstore mm-hmm. yesterday or the day before. Uh, and she likes acting books. She like she is a student of like the the concept of acting. And like she's like I don't think she is not a professional actor. I'm not a professional actor. She is I think in some ways more of a natural or nurtured actor than I. Like she has like put time and effort and thought and work into it. And there was like a book where it had like I forget if it was her book that she was looking at. I read one of these acting books was like whatever role you're playing like. Be excited about it. Be like, I get to play like the traumatized whoever, or I get, even if it's a sad role, like, oh man, that excitement, like, oh, I get to, and like, I get to be me. I get to play the role of the guy who wrote this stuff and thought these things and has these ideas and wants to communicate them. And like the lights are hot and I would, I would sweat through my shirt so much every night, like a Mm -hmm. t-shirt with like a button down shirt over it. And I have this Oura ring. I don't know if we've talked about it. You know, tracks my sleep mm-hmm. and tracks my activity during the day. If I go for a walk, it's like, oh, was that some moderate exercise? Mm-hmm. When I truly, it tells me that podcasts are aerobic exercise for me. Mm-hmm. This will be a oh, workout. Oh, you're getting a workout. I, yeah. You've been, I'm, listen, you're working it out right now. <laughs> yes, you are. I would, I would on the, it would be like a moderate workout. Every time I did the show for an hour, I would burn, I don't know, 400 calories or something. Mm-hmm. And it, so it was so, so valuable to like, be like, of course, stupid. Like, I know, I mean, I know there are ways that like one time a, a couple of years ago, I was doing a show and I was like, it, they loved all the other comedians. I'm the headliner. It, why isn't it? I was like, they didn't like my first riffs. Right. And I felt like I got in my, uh, I got in my head and like afterwards I was like, yeah, I don't know why the audience, I guess they like, uh, they like people in Kansas city more than they like me. Uh, but <laughs> Rini was like, you know, you kind of like turned away from half the audience and like kind of like right. went into yourself as the people you weren't facing. 
like they kind of were like, oh, is this not even, you know, for like, you know, she's she had this. Re it's really helpful to have somebody outside of yourself who, you know, knows you and loves you and can also, uh, you know, offer. Have we ever talked about the concept of there's the uh, that when you want if you want advice, the cheerleader, the coach or the just the the silent comfort. Mm -mm. Uh, so like. I would ask for Rini to, after the show, uh, cheerleader. The next day, if she had ideas, coach, you know? Mm. And then sometimes it's really, you know, if somebody's like coming to you with, oh my God, I'm going through this really horrible thing. Like, oh, like it could be really helpful to be like, oh, do you want me to uh, offer ideas? Like right. as a coach, do you want me to just be like, everything's got to be good? You know, like be a cheerleader or do you want me to like literally just receive it mm. and say nothing. And those are like three very valuable modalities of helping. And you might want yeah. one at one point and one right. at another, yes. another version of it is, would you rather be helped, hugged or heard? Mm. The H's. And so Triple yeah, H. it's nice to have this, <laughs> this um, loving partner. Oh, I'm sorry. Please go on. Uh, no, no, no. I was going to say, I also would like to talk about the news real quick. Okay. Oh, uh, you'd like to be heard on that? Okay, fair enough. All right. yeah. I'm going to play a transition song because this is where we know to put commercial later. breaks. News coming through. <laughs> no more talk of Edinburgh. <laughs> that part's over. <laughs> We enjoyed talking to you. We always love talking to you. <laughs> Someone did an amazing, such an amazing job at making like Halloween decorations mm -hmm. that people called the fire department because they thought their house was on fire. <gasps> oh, I got to see this. Yeah. So this, uh, this is what it, this is the still shots up here. Um, it's <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, the house does look like it's on fire. I'd have called the police, too. <laughs> and then this is, I think, the vid. The why? Why would you? Oh, oh, so they got like the moving stuff that actually weighs like flames. Yes, people are going to pick your houses on fire. Man, I mean, <laughs> if you're going to, you're also really tempting the the boy who cries wolf kind of fate here. <laughs> like if that house ever is on fire now, the firefighter, nope. they're going to die. <laughs> they're gonna, we're not calling the cops. You almost have yeah. to add like music to it or something to make the complete the joke. You know that like the Ohio players fire, you know, fire. <laughs> or cause I feel like if everyone in your neighborhood isn't in on that joke, just everyone driving down that street isn't in on this joke. You're going to get the fire department called like eight times a day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it does look yeah. amazing, though. What oh, a, it's beautiful. What a, what a dangerous yeah. concept. <laughs> you know, the only part that didn't seem to be on fire was the roof. The yeah. roof. <laughs> the roof. It was not on fire. Not on fire? No, it was yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, I think America has this controversial opinion here. I think America might have too many guns. Oh, you don't say. Did you know? What, what, what brings it up? Yeah. The TSA, the TSA reportedly intercepts almost twenty unauthorized guns a day at airports. What? 
Yes. Unauthorized, which means they didn't go through the proper channels. Meaning you can have authorized guns go through the checkpoint. Yes, you can. Which is already too many guns in America. And then there's, in addition to that, 20 20 unauthorized guns that come through. And it's not like everyone gets arrested or anything either. It just... Uh, what they, happened? Do they take them and not give them back? I believe, yeah, they so. take them and they just don't give them they back. They mail them and stuff. Uh, well, the, then good. Then more. Do that more, everyone. <laughs> just we need. Let's get TSA in every day. school. Let's get them uh, the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> that's the answer. Yeah. yeah that, oh my god. You know so that's 140 a week. I, yeah, they said. I um, wonder. Yeah. I'll just real quick. They said they found over five thousand guns last year. And, um, or yeah, they found over 5,000 guns at airport security, um, which is a significant, um, uh, increase from, wait, how's that an increase? Oh, I see what they're saying. The year's not over. They've already mm. found 5,000 guns. Oh, last year they found 6,542 guns, but they're basically saying, oh, we're going to at this that. rate, we are Oof. significantly ahead. Wow. And people really think they be can get on planes because they have to. They have to be loaded a certain way. A lot of times, that stuff has to go like in like the. We have the, too many guns in America. Right. It just is. Like I'm not even saying that from the obvious point right. of view of like you know everyone's getting killed, but th- that people don't forget ex- like shoes that often. They don't forget their purse as often as, as like they don't probably find twenty purses a day, but they find twenty guns. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean, also I think you're allowed to, you're you're still allowed to take a purse on a plane. But Hopefully. uh other than that, yeah. So they they probably find a few. Um <laughs> two things. One, good news. It I mean, even if it was only 5,000 for the whole year, yeah. I think that means that then all the guns will have been found in just a short 600 million years. I don't know <laughs> if I did the math right, but I think if it's 5,000 a year, that means 500,000 in 10 years, so it's a million every 20 years, uh, and there's like about 300 million guns, right. so... All we gotta 20, do is get... Oh, no! Get it, all... I'm so sorry. It's 6 billion years, oh, not 600 million. okay, so close. We, but you know what? All we have to do is get every gun owner a trip, a flight somewhere, and, yes. uh, you know, some of them will have to give like some really big frequent flyer miles because they're going to need, they got not, they, some of them have a lot of guns, but we just keep flying them places and then confiscating their guns. And what I was saying was not that the TSA sees more guns than purses. I'm saying I, I feel like l- less than 20 people every day lose their purse in the airport. Ah. 20 people oh, unintentionally yes. lose know. their guns every day that we know. And that's what the ones TSA catches. Yes. Like, right. There's it's probably a ton that they're just like, dick. fuck it, man. 37th gun today. Just take it. I don't care. Oh. But uh, yeah. yeah. Guns. The think pretty smart in the comments says, uh, to be fair, sometimes you're so used to carrying it, you forget it's on you. That's what happens. And that's that. Like, I was wondering if some people might be like, they're probably not going to get them all. Because I, I feel like there's studies that show that they don't get them all. They, right. like, either miss – I forget if it's one in four or three mm-hmm. in four. But it's, like, a – it's a large – they can't – I mean, they just – they get bleary-eyed. They're just, like, looking uh, all day and not finding. And that is why I say too many guns. Because how many guns do you have to have to forget you have a gun? 
Like the whole point of everyone who talks about having guns is always this 100% mindfulness that every gun owner is supposed to possess. Like I'm extremely safe. It's Ooh. locked up. My kid will never get to it. And now we're at the, hey, man, sometimes you forget you have a thing that can take someone else's life. Sometimes you just forget you got it on you. Yeah, I think that we should have a new list. Like the for if you if you forget your that you have a gun, then yes. you don't get to have any more guns. So instead of the do not fly list, it's the do not die list. It's yeah. there to help you. <laughs> the no die list. I'm I'm with this no idea. Die list. And then like the other part of it too is like you know because it's like oh it can take someone's life and you're forgetting like uh, that you even own it that you even have it. Um, and then some people are getting it through, meaning they are getting it on the plane. Like, because if, if they get it through TSA, they're like, we don't catch every gun. Sometimes we're on the plane with somebody that has a gun. It's just, I don't know, man. Too many guns in America. Um, and according to Mayor Eric Adams, or as I like to call him, Officer Mayor Eric Adams. Officer, <laughs> Officer Mayor. <laughs> he said he was headed to Mexico because there's too many migrants coming to NYC. And he... he, he what is wrong he with wants this to go man? down to the border. I don't know what's wrong with him. Eric Adams, why? <laughs> he, you know, you know that I had Eric Adams on my podcast once. What? Oh. How? What? Well, first of all, I'm not surprised by that. I feel like Eric Adams would come on any place with a microphone if, if you know, if asked. <laughs> yeah, and so this was before he was mayor. He was the right. president of the borough of Brooklyn, and I believe at the time. Uh, somebody reached out to me from his office uh, because they, I think, saw that I am a vegan comedian podcaster, and he is a vegan, a vegan man. Yes, and I think was maybe promoting a like you know plant based lunches in certain Brooklyn schools, which I was like, yeah, that's great. And it's you know like any, I was just having this conversation about Obama with a friend the other day. Like Obama as a human being. Very cool. Like, you know, seems cool. And also, you know, as a person with progressive politics, you might be like, did a lot of things or was part of a system, was the head of uh, a large part of a system that did things that, you know, uh, killed various people, that oppressed various people, that, you know, that wasn't so cool. But we're like, but seems cool, right. not that's cool guy part of a not cool system and i i feel like i mean you know the news that we see about eric adams these days like a lot of the not cool system stuff mm. going on but like human being wise cool guy mm. uh but yeah i eric mean adams feels to me like um a guy who wanted to be famous but didn't really have a, a thing he could do right so then he was like i can be mayor and because he does a lot of famous stuff like this yes. like this is a stunt type of thing i'm gonna go down the border like I'm gonna he's tell, a rapper you're in new york <laughs> and then what are you gonna just hey guy like i think in part of the quote was like he's gonna tell people not to come like it's not too good in america you should turn around it's like that feels like a oh wrestling boy. stunt. Like, it yeah, doesn't like, feel like a it, mayor it's more trying to pass a policy. It just feels like, turn the cameras on. Watch this, you know? It's more to that than meets the eye. We have diplomats and people whose whole job is to relay this message from the president. Like, this is not your job. You're wasting taxpayers' money for a free trip to Mexico. I do not understand. You're in New York City. Pay for your own trips to Mexico. Yeah, he's just, I don't or, know. Or, yeah. He, he's like such a inner 
entertainer kind of want to want to be an entertainer guy like go to the club mayor go yeah, like cause he had hang out photo ops and stuff hang out like, with you know hang out with rappers mayor like he's and i like it's he, it's just like he seems like he wants to be a celebrity to me mm-hmm. well the oh man politicians it's such a weird thing because when you're not i mean most of the coolest best you know and probably like why most of the wisest people like don't run for office right. don't yeah. want to run for office mm-hmm. like begrudgingly will you know lead or offer guidance be like okay you twisted my arm like this is what i would do mm-hmm. and it's you know it should be on a basis of like you know other people get to volunteer you be like everyone else votes for i mean if you run if you want to run you can't do it but it just has to all be like everybody nominates like I think this person would actually do a good job because they're like, well, I have no idea how to do it. Right. But so it is, I feel like now I'm, I saw Seinfeld Mm -hmm. at Gotham like maybe four or five years ago. And he was doing a bit about the, I was about the presidency Mm -hmm. and just like, I think Trump was president at the time and he wasn't like making it about Trump specifically, but he was like, I feel like anyone, anyone who said like, uh, I, I don't want to be in charge of everything, you know? Like, anyone is like, oh, you want the job where you're in charge of everything? And if you're like, yeah, that sounds like me. Like, ah. <laughs> That's funny because, like, I think there's uh, there have been, like, two types of people, the people that are, like, too smart or whatever to be like, I want to be president just because it's, like, it's a thankless job. You, there's no, there's no, we're never going to have a president that isn't responsible for everything america is on a global scale right so you like who wants to be responsible who would want to be the person who's responsible because at that point you have to be such a pragmatist that you're like if you're even if you're a good person you're just being pragmatic you're like okay do the thing that kills 12 people but not the one that kills 50 people like that that's why that's what it's gonna look like for most people right and so what then you have the guy who's like i don't want to do it Cause I don't know how to do it. Right. Yeah. That person. And then you have the person that's like, I know how to do it. I just don't want to do it. Cause y'all, y'all would fucking hate me. Right. I feel like Donald Trump was the first person that was both of those. He was, I uh-huh. don't know how to do it. And I want to do it. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. like, it, like it wasn't, you see that you either need to be a, I don't, I, I don't want to do it. Cause I don't know how, or I don't want to do it because the responsibility is so, pr-. he was the first motherfuckers. Like, I do want to do it. And it, you should vote for me because I don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm you don't qualified. know how to do it. And I'm like you. Yeah, yes. exactly. You know what? The problem is people that know how to run a government. Um, But uh, speaking mm-hmm. of running the government mm-hmm. and breaking news that just happened right before the show. Oh, no. What happened? Uh, Senator Kevin McCarthy is no longer the leader or not senator, but congressman. He's no longer the leader yeah. of the House. Oh that oh oh that was I have a lot of worries about that. I'm I'm sorry Mike. Yes. Because the 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 thing is that man wanted that job so bad. They says that he actually stands out and like shake hands and all that stuff like he loves that goddamn job. Like that is his motherfucking jam is that job. That's why he took them fucked up conditions for that job. 
because he want anybody else would have told them to kiss their ass. I don't want this job. He wanted that job. And he knew the second he did something, 10 people didn't like, they was going to get his ass out of there. So this was bound to happen. It was bound to happen because they were going to actually sit and let the government shut down. He was like, we can't do this, y'all. We can't let the government shut down for 10 people. This makes no sense. And um, the government deal is only for 45 days. Right. So, so we're going to be right back we'll here. We'll be right back here. But as of right now, there is no Speaker of the House. Um, and it's chaos And again. shout out to, or Leader of the House. And uh, shout out to Nancy Pelosi who uh, never seemed to have these problems. Never. No matter how divided politically the country got, she still would scrape together whatever she needed she to was get a boss. the legislation passed, especially if it was something uh, during the Biden amendment um, where, like, and, and Obama amendment too, where it got so divided and lopsided. If they had the numbers, somehow she would find a way to get that shit passed. Mm-hmm. Whatever compromise she needed to make, because, you know, it's more important that the shit get passed than to let Republicans win. Republicans not wanting to govern has been a thing that's been going on. To me, I would trace it even back somewhat to to Clinton. Yes. But definitely the Obama era Republican became, we're just trying to yeah. stop everything. We're trying to shut the country down, cause as much pain as possible. Hopefully people blame you. And then we'll find some type of path through grievance to continue to win office and stuff. Correct. Um, and of course, they would like to have done that under under Biden, but Biden had Pelosi, thank goodness, for the first two years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but Republicans, there's a vein of them that doesn't want to govern. They don't want mm-hmm. the responsibility. They don't want the um, job, the actual work of it. No. Um, they've just given into that. And it doesn't have to be all of them, but it's a significant enough group to where to to them today's a win mm-hmm. and i think that's because they tried to help a scorpion cross the river in trump that inspired a lot of other scorpions they're like y'all giving out frog back rods and, and now they're just mm-hmm. getting halfway across the river getting stung every fucking time and <sighs> it, it as as petty as it is you know to like celebrate it and stuff it's also deeply scary for the country yes that it's gotten this out of control over there you don't even have enough control over your party to 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 attempt to govern so i don't know what's going to happen from this point on but if they let because it's not all of them it's honestly just a small somewhere between like probably 10 to to 20 maybe maybe let's say 30 at most that are like these true like obstructionist trump grievance Mm -hmm. republicans other ones are like we should govern just because we got the job. Like it's and let's like, let's do our that job, was the, y'all. That was yeah. the reason we ran. Yeah, that's they, why now we they ran. would probably pass shit I wouldn't want. Yeah, just to be fair, but they would govern because that's just what they were su- supposed to do. These the people like uh, Matt Gates, they're not here to govern. They're not even here to be politicians. Really, they're nope. they're like to me like a Eric Adams, where it's like, oh, they got cameras over there. And they're just going over there to be get to get on camera, and so I think that's the most discouraging thing. But this is something we predicted for years here because I said once you give in to that like Trump constituency, and you start placating them instead of like saying, "Hey, we're not. There's more of us than you. We're not gonna do. We'd rather lose power in the country than align with you and let you tell us what to do." They, they've now been bullied into this position, and uh, it's going to be hella interesting to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. 
there's a a guy I like uh, on Twitter. I don't know if he's still there, but his name, his handle was Julius Goat, mm-hmm. I believe. And he had this, he posted this thing once that I think about every once in a while where he said, uh, it's like a conversation. Uh, take, uh, meet me halfway, says the unreasonable man. Mm-hmm. And so the reasonable man takes a step forward and the unreasonable man takes a step back right. and says, meet me halfway. Right, exactly. And next thing you know, you're all the way over on this other side of thing. And I think, you know, um, a lot of it still goes on because I, I think what happens, the, my my big, not conspiracy, but I, I think the emotional transfer energy has to happen. So what happens is that we blame politicians as these avatars, like they're doing this to us, but the rest of us are all reasonable and normal. And who, why, why would they do that? But unfortunately to me, I think some of these people that have put us in this lurch are representing the nope. kind of people that are voting for them. Yes. That are like, like you don't vote for Marjorie Taylor Greene twice on accident. You know, mm-hmm. at some point you, you want her to do things like this. Um, and I just don't know how a Republican party if they don't oust these kind of folks, they're going to end up capitulating to them in a way that is to me, even more dangerous than just Donald Trump. Like Donald Trump's one dude, but he's kind of like a dude that don't really want to do that job. So like, <laughs> like, he's, like he's very much a like, I know I'm, what, what is the point of this? I'm supposed, I'm supposed to hate trans people or no. Uh, okay. I guess I hate them. Uh, like some of these folks are very, they do believe this shit. Yes. And so going along with that stuff, um, it's almost more dangerous to see a group of them come to power than to see like one man who's a, who's a loose cannon in power. Not that I, you know, yeah. like Donald Trump and, in any way. And I think for me was very, very frustrating is that the general populace, how can I say this? Most of the general populace they get caught up in things that are unrelated to what's actually happening right in front of their face because people are going to be cheering and stuff. But the reality, this is sad. The government still needs to run. Somebody actually needs to be over this. They did that shit show a few months ago where it took them 8,500 hours to, to vote him in there, which means now we're going to have to go through that bullshit all over again which means, guess what? Shit's not going to get passed. Because cause when that happens, nothing in the government functions. Nothing in the government runs. And I don't think people understand that. I want my government to run. I don't want, it's just me. I don't want to be in a country that's lawlessness. I don't want that. I want the federal government to do its job and do what it's supposed to do. Is it perfect? No. Can it be better? Yes. But I can demand that when it is working. I cannot demand that when it's in disarray and dysfunction yeah it's embarrassing as a country but also i low-key love that the democrats did not bail his ass out because you know they could have tried to vote to keep him in power they were like nah this is y'all's problem you know and for once i'm like that's a tough thing to do to beat but it's kind of like um if a kid's throwing a tantrum and you like pick him up off the floor and then eventually it just becomes like I reward you for throwing tantrums. I feel like that's what we've been doing for like a decade at least. And I, I for once they were just like, no, man, y'all are embarrassing yourselves. You have the numbers. Get your shit together. Why Why do we have to be the ones that save the country but also get blamed for being weak 
whenever we try to pass something that with some level of compromise because we have to we're we're always the party that loses somehow by being the adult i like i like being like no you 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 look terrible figure that out um mm-hmm. so we'll see what happens I, I don't know who what their plan is if i'm sure matt gates and some of these people are gonna run to be speaker as, of, at this point of course and um yeah, welcome to that. Welcome to that shit show, guys. Right. What were you gonna say, <laughs> Mike? Uh, I was. I was gonna say. I think it's okay to love a a, a sad child. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I'm not a parent myself, right. so this is. Uh, but it's but, like, know, I think what is are... what is love, right? Because like, love. Oh sure, love, love can be boundaries. Yeah, sometimes yeah. love is like I gotta teach you that. You can't just throw a tantrum every time, you know, like it's got to we got to have some we got to yeah. like part of my job is to get you out of out into the world where a world doesn't oh, yeah. pick up and hug people throwing tantrums all the time. They make them president. Let, let me <laughs> let me share this. Uh, have we ever talked about Byron Katie? Do you know that woman? Mm-mm. Byron Katie is for short, I'll say a spiritual teacher. She wouldn't call herself that. Uh, people have would say maybe she's enlightened. She had a moment where she woke up and she would say, I just now feel like I know the difference between what hurts and what doesn't. Mm. And she helps people uh, see that sometimes, like by a series of questions that she sort of formulated to help people discover like what is true. Can you really know that it's true? And like to unravel the stories in our heads. And so she was on Oprah's podcast some years ago and Oprah is like, how do you, how do I do this? And the, the question that Oprah asks is like, let's say a family member comes to me, like a, maybe a distant family member and is like, can I have a hundred thousand dollars? And I don't want to give, let's say I don't want to give them a hundred thousand dollars, but I feel bad because like I could, but I don't want to open the, I don't know. I forget the exact right. context, but that that's something like that. Mm-hmm. And Byron Katie's like, okay, let's, let's role play. And uh, she's like, I'll be you, Oprah. And you be, you asked me for a hundred thousand dollars. It's like, can I have a hundred thousand dollars? Like, oh no, but, but it wouldn't cost you. I mean, it was, it's hardly anything to you. And I it would really help me out. It would help you. Oh, that's yeah. I hear that. That is real. That sounds. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I, I really, I, any other way that I can support you, I, I'll, do, I'll do my best. But and I don't remember exactly what she said, but mm-hmm. it was just like the loving no, you yeah, know what right. I mean? Like that doesn't like a seed, doesn't give in right. to, uh, to the tantrum right. that might be being thrown. And so, you know, that's, I guess that's what I'm saying. We have to be like further Republicans, like, oh, mm. no, I won't vote for you, Kevin McCarthy. Like, yeah. I do, it's like, yeah, you you were probably better than what might be about to happen, right. but yeah, you can't have my money. Yeah, fix your shit. It, and especially, it's especially difficult when I think for Democrats, even on our side, we blame them sometimes for things that I think can be a bit unfair, but it's like you're it's like when I had a job at Wendy's, there was a guy who never fucking showed up on time and just did whatever he wanted to. It was a shitty employee. And I showed up on time every day because I'm a fucking professional and I can pay. I, you know, if I'm sweeping floors, I want to sweep floors the best I can, right? So I show up every day and then I would get it. They would get an attitude with me. And then eventually they start asking me to do stuff this other person was supposed to be doing. And oh, yeah. Yeah. When I quit, I was like, man, fuck this job. They never appreciated me. 
But part of the reason that so much was demanded of me was because I was the one who showed up. Right. And I feel like that's what America's has done. America's done to Democrats for like a long time at this point. It's like, well, y'all keep showing up to work, do everything. And they're like, but this one guy is not even here. He's, he's, he won't even just like help do a little bit so I can do most of it. And, and I feel like this was a, you know, it could, and it could come back to bite them because people kind of, sometimes can just be unfair to them no matter what they do but mm-hmm. I, I i this feels like representation to me to go no not that's enough you guys go be adults and fucking uh-huh. come this. back and do your job like stop making me close when i told you i have to go be at school at eight in the morning just because lamont was like i'm not coming to work and if i do come to work i'm leaving when i feel like it hey y'all need to fix that shit mm-hmm. you know <laughs> Uh, I agree. I agree with both of you all the time on every <laughs> even when you disagree with each other. I agree with you both. <laughs> and I want to say these two things. One, that's a nice thing about myself. And one, that's a nice thing about uh, what you just said, Rod. For me, you reminded me uh, earlier when we were talking about, you know, the president who is going to do their best to kill fewer people, you know, to sacrifice themselves, be a martyr in a way. And like, because somebody else, if it's not me, somebody else might do worse, you know? And that's, that's the way that I, here's how I'm like that president Mm -hmm. is uh, when I was in college, I wasn't vegan yet, but I was vegetarian and I worked selling sandwiches and some of the sandwiches, many of the sandwiches were meat sandwiches and people order a meat sandwich. I give a meat sandwich, you know, but Here's the thing. I was like, they, we had cheese sandwiches, we had veggie sandwiches, you know, we had egg salad, we had non-meat options. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if we had much vegan, but there was vegetables. But if anyone ever was like, "What do you recommend?" I'd be like, "You should get a vegetable sandwich." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like the the little that I could do. Yes. I'm like to move the needle. That was my right. role as yeah. president of the sandwich. That's counter. That's, that's like the thing. Um, like when we were talking about when you brought up Obama at, f- at first and you're like, you know, there's things he did that people didn't like, blah, blah, blah. And I think of it as like, yeah, as an officer of the president, you're going to end up doing some things people don't like. Like, you know, kind of kind of why I don't want to be one, um, because if you if you're the the quote unquote good one, you become the one that they got to kill or something. If you're like, guys, uh, actually, let's not do any of that shit. They're like, uh, this is. But I remember um, in 2016, we were talking about voting and we can we can wrap up after this. But we were talking about voting and there was a online sentiment, I think, in a way, driven by the fact that I think Obama had been such a good president. There were people going, well, obviously being president is easy and anyone can fucking just do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you want to keep whatever his legacy is. Let's keep, keep going, going that way. Keep going forward. Because there are people who really would take it in a completely different direction. And mm-hmm. I think people felt, you know, bored with Hillary Clinton. She's not progressive enough. There's a little bit of, you know, people coming of age under Obama. So there was like a, oh my God, this guy's going to be like an activist president. And then they got older underneath Obama were like, oh, there's never been a such thing that doesn't exist. Oh, fuck. You know, and, and so people weren't as enthusiastic, right? And part of the, one of the things that uh, people would say is like, well, I'm not picking the lesser of two evils. I just won't vote, which to me is like, you know, it's still also another choice that is a lesser of other evils. It's but a choice. My point was like, okay, you won't pick the lesser of two evils. The most evil will win. 
<laughs> like that's that if enough people make that decision the, the default is all the the evil person gets to be the person you've dedicated dick and said is the most evil that's what's going to happen because the the evil people aren't going to sit out right mm-hmm. and uh i remember saying on the show like as an american black american not not have my people haven't had the greatest here guys i don't know if you've been reading the paper but I'm like, I still feel an obligation to the world to pick the least harm. Like, right. Cause we're a very harmful, powerful thing that is going like we we're never going to reverse course to where it's like America. Wow. That, those guys did all the charity this they year. No got war. shit together. So Mm-mm. like I would, it would almost be delusional for me to be like, you know what? Fuck it. Someone else will figure it out. So you have to kind of like pull the reins on it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of the you know the same thing that that we're asking now is like well, just put just put a muffler like turn this shit down it can't be on ten <laughs> six can, can we okay it's hot in the basement can we open a window like something to adjust this shit <laughs> oh yeah I mean uh, well good news is eventually the sun will. Uh, consume the planet in its uh, fiery mm-hmm. explosion. And I think by that point, we will have gotten rid of all the guns in America. Yeah, the but, only way. Uh, I mean, yeah, they'll have been confiscated all. <laughs> We're going to invent a gun. We're definitely going to invent a gun to shoot the sun. That's definitely a thing the, the world's going to... Not to shoot the America sun. specifically will be... There's a secret project somewhere of a big-ass gun. But we need A planet-sized gun to just shoot the sun. Because that's what that's what we do here. That's our solution. <laughs> Shoot everything. Uh, oh yeah. The the thing that I was gonna say is Sorry. like the idea that someone else like that someone else will figure it out, like to almost everyone in the world, we're someone else. Yes. We're we're the one. We gotta do we gotta at least try. I don't I mean, cause if not, yeah. I'm just saying fatalism give up. And and I know who the bad people are that will run this country so like i said today gave me some level of hope because this is something where i've been saying this motherfucker needs to take control of his people um even if it's to do the bullshit i don't want to see them do <laughs> like like <laughs> like this a dysfunctional party for them is probably better than a functional bad one but it, like they're they're like we're gonna impeach biden they can't now because they don't have fucking votes anymore <laughs> like it's just like what are you doing it's it is honestly a clown show that is not funny or respect it, or no. do good emotional work and and ask people yeah. with mannequin legs and microphones yeah. questions. They're just Look like problem, and they're like everything problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes, problem. Always. Exactly. I'm gonna yeah. be a problem. Yes. No. You no. nailed it. My name is Problem <laughs> James Problem. Uh, and here's the thing I was gonna say earlier that I actually now I don't remember well enough, but this is. Do you know how sometimes? We have prefixes and suffixes, you know, that go on the beginning or the end of a word. Mm -hmm. Do you know that some languages have infixes, which are ones that go in the middle of a word? Mm -hmm. And the only infixes we really have in in English, in American English, are fucking. Like, (laughs) if I tell you to put the word fucking in the middle of Mississippi or Alabama, you put it in the same, you put it, you know where to put it because that's, you know, nobody taught you, but that's just, you learned that's where fucking goes in that nobody's like Al fucking Abama. You know what I mean? (laughs) It it wouldn't make any sense. But earlier, and I think it was just maybe like a, a momentary 
miss uh like step in speech but it almost sounded like when you were talking about working at wendy's and showing up on time mm-hmm. because you were a fucking professional it almost sounded like you said a professional. fashional <laughs> mike i love you man i oh, appreciate you coming I love through i'm glad you. i'm glad you're high and dry me now. too stay, uh, stay high and dry yeah and i hope you get that apartment um that's me coming too. through thank you i took some edibles before the show uh, you're awesome to talk to hi oh yeah about to be even higher and drier yeah yeah exactly <laughs> let's go um tell everybody you know where to find you and about if your you're, book you know, anywhere and, to find your stand-up uh, all that yeah, stuff if you're traveling let everybody you. know so so nice of you thank you for having me my name is mike kaplan it's spelled weird m-y-q-k-a-p-l-a-n put that name everywhere my albums are on your streaming services my web uh my website is mikekaplan.com my podcasts are called broccoli and ice cream and the faucet you've both been on broccoli and ice cream uh wonderful episodes both and uh mikekaplan.substack.com is where my newsletter comes out for free every week you can subscribe for more my latest special is uh, on dry bar comedy it was free this past week it might still be free right now or you can get a free promo use the promo code mike kaplan get a free month it's called live from the universe and ramin nazer who made my book with me uh he did a beautiful piece of art uh that is the artwork for that special as well so get the book all the pieces of art that he's made are in there it's called heart brain art train and uh come see me live uh wherever i'm uh yeah i'm gonna be i'm gonna be in michigan this weekend if you're in ann arbor michigan <laughs> uh come out this weekend otherwise i'll be other places other times uh and so happy to be right here right now with y'all you know with the mention of the book that completes the circle of this show we've made a roundabout to the beginning mm-hmm. um, so thank you everybody for uh hanging out with us thank you mike kaplan thank Ooh. you Yes. Rod, Rod, real quick, mm-hmm. roundabout is like a circle, and oh, in a circle in the road, right? A mm-hmm. circle in the road is a roundabout, and Rod is an O, oh. which is a circle in the RD, yes. the road with a circle in it. That's You're a roundabout. That's what we're doing. <laughs> I think yeah. we know the title of this episode. Um, <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow with a Walking Dead recap episode. Yay. I know the only show this that is doing it. a show that was over a year ago. We are yeah, new to, to us. It's new to us. Yes, so we'll is. see you tomorrow. Until then, I love you. I love you too. Mwah. Love you. <laughs>